Amen. I hope that you do. Open your Bible and turn it to the book of Matthew this morning, chapter number 17, and we're going to jump into the word today. Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 here in just a moment, but let me kind of set the stage a little bit for uh, the message today, kind of let you know where I'm going with this and where I'm coming from. Uh, The title of my message this morning is An Experience with God, An Experience with God. Now, when we think about the word experience, it means different things to us. I mean, we think about somebody having experience, a lot of times it means somebody that's done something a lot. So if you've been on the job for you know, the same job for 40 years, we say, well, you've got experience, you've, you've done it a lot. Uh, that's not the kind of experience that I'm talking about today. I'm talking about having an experience uh, in which basically in experience in that context basically means to have an, an encounter with something out of the ordinary, to in, have an encounter, an experience, an event that's out of the ordinary, something that just doesn't happen in every other day. You go, you go on vacation uh, you go somewhere you've never been before and you come back and you say, man, what a great, what a great experience. It was fun. It was an event. It was, something, it was an encounter, something that we went, we went through that we don't normally go through. It's an experience. So I want to talk about an experience that we have and can have with God. And it's, it's the moment that we recognize the greatness of God. It's the moment that we are aware of his presence now, I mean, we always know that God's real. We always know that God's everywhere. We know that. But sometimes there's a moment where we become more aware of how great God is than we've maybe previously known before. We feel him closer than we generally have maybe felt him before. It's the moment where you realize that God is at work in you. Okay, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. We can recognize God as creator of the universe, you look at the world and the universe and the planets and how they, how they all uh, work in complete precision and we can come to the conclusion of, of you know, how great God is, but it's a greater experience when you realize that that great God is at work in you as an individual, amen, that he cares that much for you and God wants us to have those types of experiences with him. And so starting in this scripture here, this is an event Uh, that took place while Jesus was still on this earth, something that his disciples was able to witness and see that nobody else in the world really had ever seen and nobody would really see after that. And it's kind of a... Uh, can, you know, we don't, it, we don't understand this all completely theologically. Uh, the church world has, has called this event, this encounter, this experience that the disciples had, uh, we call it the transfiguration. We don't talk about it a lot because we don't understand it a lot, but I want to read it this morning. This is in chapter 17 of Matthew, verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, led them up a high mountain by themselves. Now put yourself there and picture this in your mind. Took them up a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured, which basically means he changed form before them. His face shone or shined like the sun. How many of you have ever tried to look at the sun, right? You you look at it, it's just like, I mean, that's pretty bright and you try to look at it and the face of Jesus literally began to shine like the brightness of the sun, His clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So not only is Jesus' 
appearance and his form changed and transfigured in which he's glowing so brightly that they couldn't even look on him. As they're looking out of the corner of their eye, the disciples see two men standing and talking with Jesus. And somehow, the Bible doesn't tell us how they knew this, but somehow, maybe Jesus told them later, somehow they knew that these two men, one of them was Moses and one of them was Elijah. That, you know, obviously Moses and Elijah had been dead for years, but they had come from the glory of heaven to, to have a conversation with Jesus. And the disciples are witnessing this. Peter, verse 4, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. I like that. Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for the one, excuse me, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, so here the experience gets even greater. Not only are they just, they can't believe their eyes, but now they're about ready to not be able to believe their ears, right? This loud, booming voice, which was the voice of God, that spoke to the disciples and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified, and rightly so. I think that would be enough to shake up anybody. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. When they lifted up their their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. The whole experience was over. Okay, so again, it's a pretty amazing situation. And I'm not here to explain that all out theologically and talk about it because, again, the Bible really didn't give us a big indication as to why this happened, what Jesus and Moses and Elijah talked about. We don't know. It's all uh, up to speculation. But here's the point that I want to make through this today as I read the Scripture is that the disciples in this moment were experiencing Jesus on a deeper level than they had ever experienced him before. And it kind of freaked them out a little bit at first. But they concluded in the end that it was good, right? This experience they had with Jesus was good. They experienced him, they encountered him on a deeper level than they ever had before. So I would conclude to you and to me this morning that whatever experience you have had with Jesus, and I would trust that, that you've all, well, if you're, if you're saved this morning, you've had at least one experience with God. But there's no doubt been other times in your walk with God where maybe it was a time of prayer that you just sensed him closer. Maybe it was a time that you're reading the the, the Bible and something kind of jumped off the page, something, the word came alive to you just a little bit more. Or maybe you, you, you come across somebody you haven't seen for a while and you get into a conversation and you say something to them that you didn't even intend to say. You, you're, you're speaking almost on God's behalf and you, you witness to them or you lift them up or maybe they say something to you that you were needing to hear and you go away from there thinking, man, I don't think that was just some coincidence that I saw that person today. Literally, that is an experience with God. It's something out of the ordinary that doesn't happen all the time, but it makes you aware, number one, of how great God is, and number two, that he's working in your life. Hallelujah. They said, the disciples say, man, this is, this is awesome. Look at Jesus. He shines. They'd never quite experienced Jesus like this before. I would venture to say whatever experience you've had with God, there's more to be experienced. Don't get bored in the presence of God. Don't get bored serving God. Don't think you've experienced and felt and seen and heard all there is to know and see and feel and hear. I'm telling you something, folks, the, the, the bottom can fall out of this thing. I mean, you, you get to looking into the goodness of God and it's a bottomless pit. 
It just gets deeper and deeper and God shows himself more and more and more throughout every day of our life. Disciples said, man, that's cool. We've never seen Jesus. Like, what an experience to see him literally change form. And they're not, they don't understand it. And I, I will say this. We're never going to fully understand intellectually the experiences that we have with God. There's been lots of times where something happened. I'm like, Man, that was, that was awesome. I, I don't understand why that happened. I don't understand how it happened. It's just, I mean, if God was a God that we could understand, he wouldn't be God. That's what an experience is all about, is something out of the ordinary. So these guys say, you know, we don't understand this, what's going on here. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of freaking me out a little. And then the voice, boom, this is the, you know, they hear God's voice, and then they're shaking at their knees. But ultimately, they concluded that this experience with God was good. Amen? What is it God is wanting to show you? What is it God wanting, is wanting to show me? And many times, folks, I think that we don't, I think that sometimes we, we miss out on these experiences with God, um, <clears throat> sometimes because we're afraid sometimes of what it's going to cost us. You know, God may be working on you and dealing with you to work in his kingdom and to do something for him. And, and, and that experience, even though we want it, um, we think, what's it going to cost me ultimately? You know, Jesus, when he was praying with the, the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't keep themselves awake. And Jesus come to them and say, look, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak right? So you want the experience with God, but your flesh sometimes stands in the way because of maybe what it might cost you. So there's what we find in this, as I, as I re read this again, we see that they concluded it was good. There, there's, a, there's just a difference in a, a cold, dead, dry religion and, and a live, vibrant, exciting walk with God. Amen? Amen? If I was here promoting religion, I wouldn't be here. I tell people a lot of times, I talk to people about the Lord, invite people to come to church, and people give me this, this response, they're like, well, I'm, I'm not very religious. And I always say the same thing. I always say, oh, well, good, I'm not either. Amen. And that's not something you generally hear from a pastor. I'm not religious. I really don't care much for religion. When it comes to spiritual motions that we go through and habits, and, you know, I mean, just I'm not here promoting any kind of, Religion, because religion becomes monotonous, it becomes dry, it becomes dead, and it's unfeeling. And that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what, the, that's what, that's not what uh, uh, led the disciples to the point that they were willing to give their life. All of these disciples, I think with the exception of John, were all murdered for their faith in Christ. Folks, it wasn't because of a dead, dry religion, religion they got caught up in. It was because what they felt in God was real. I mean, it was a walk with God. It was vibrant. It was exciting. And they were always experiencing more in God. And that's worth, that's worth fighting for. That's worth striving for. That's worth continuing in. Amen? <clears throat> We're talking about an exciting walk with God. What is your walk with God like? <clears throat> Has it become dry and dead? Because sometimes that does happen. Sometimes even the strongest of Christians, sometimes even the, the, the people who have done the most for God, sometimes we hit those dry spells and it just doesn't feel like, it's like, man, it just, I'm not feeling God the way I have before. And, and those, those are the times where we start pressing in. 
Those are the times where we should start craving the presence of God. And those are the times where we begin to realize how all of the things that we're pursuing are just kind of sucking and draining the spiritual life. I'm going to lay it all down for a little bit and say, God, I just kind of need to crawl up in your lap for a little while. Lord, I, I just need to, to have an experience. And that doesn't mean that you're, you're asking him to come and, and change forms and, you know, and, and see him like the sun. It, some, those experiences don't always come you know, in those big forms and fashions. Sometimes it's just the small things. Again, it's, it's the conversation. It's the thought in the back of your mind. It's just you hear a song maybe on the radio. You're listening to Caleb or, or something, and a song comes on, and you've heard it a thousand times, but suddenly there's a line in this song that just brings you to tears. It's because you're, you're having an experience with God. He's making himself real to you. That's something that can take place on a daily basis when we walk with him. <clears throat> an exciting walk with God. An experience like what I'm talking about with God will take you from knowing about God to knowing God. And there's a difference. We can know about him, but salvation is about knowing God. Knowing that he knows my name. That he knows how many hairs are on top of my head, how many hairs are numbered on top of my head. And that's getting easier for him to do all the time, right? Uh, he knows me and I can know him. Not just a theological understanding of God, intellectual, but a, a relationship. I, I don't just know about my wife. I know her. And I don't know about you. And she was, she was walking that base earlier. I was absolutely just, I, I was, it really got my goat. I was pretty proud. Yeah. I was starting to say turned on, but I didn't know if I could say that behind the pulpit. <laughs> but I just did. I've been, <laughs> I've been saying a lot of things from behind the pulpit lately that have been getting me in trouble. So uh, I might need to, I need to, my son just left. <laughs> Yep, yep, gross him out. He's, he's officially grossed out. <laughs> oh shoot, where were we? Experience. I'm having an experience right now. I don't know, I don't know if it's an experience with God, but uh, oh boy. Laughter's good, that's right. Uh, I'm not, why did I even say that? What was we talking about? Oh, oh, I know her, I, I, I. I, don't just, I just don't just know about her. I know her personally. I, I know what she likes. I, I know what, what food she prefers. I know what she likes to wear. I, I know where she likes to go. I know her. I don't just know about her. I know her. And that's the kind of relationship that we have with God. Sure, you can read the Bible. You can go to church and you can you know, know, okay, well, God created the world and God you know, did this and God, you know about God, but God said, I'm wanting to get personal with you. I'm wanting you to know that you can know me. You can, you can hear my voice, that still small voice in your inner, inner soul. And so it's, it's, again, it's about a relationship that we have with God that's available. Uh, the experience with God takes us from, um, it, it'll take you from liking Jesus to being like Jesus, okay? Now, we can be fascinated with the idea of Christ who died on the cross for us. We can even believe in him and, and like him and say, yes, I want him in my life. But again, that's different than being like Jesus. Lord, I, I like you, I love you, and I like the thought of you, but I want you to begin to change me, 
to the point that I can be like you. Because let me tell you something, when you get to know somebody, welcome back, Brady. When you get to, when you get to know somebody, you kind of start acting like them, don't you? I mean, there's, there's things that I didn't really like before much, but after I've gotten to know my wife and stuff that she likes that I, I now like, I've, I've begun to be like her in a lot of sense. And so, so these exper- experience that we have with God, we don't just know about God, we know God. We don't just like Jesus, we start becoming like Jesus, okay? So you know, when we have these experience with God, in a, in a sense, it kind of takes us from faith to sight, even if only for just a moment, now, Faith, how many of you can be honest this morning, and I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand. How many can be honest this morning with a raise of hand and say that you, sometimes you find it difficult to walk by faith? Faith? That's not easy. I'm not up here to say it's easy to walk by faith. I think it could be, probably could be easier than we make it, if truth be known. But it's not always easy to walk by faith, just trusting God even though you, you can't see. And the harder a situation is, the harder it is to walk, walk by faith. We would rather walk by sight, you know, where we can see God. We can see, you know, angels. And I mean, we can see it with our natural eye. God has chosen faith, and that's not always easy. But there's, there's moments where, where we, we cross paths with God. There's a moment where we have these experiences where God is making his, his, his presence known in our life. We become aware that he is active in our life. And suddenly it's not just faith we can kind of see for just a little bit. Now the disciples obviously did. I mean, this is all out sight. They're seeing, uh, uh, having this experience and they're seeing Jesus like they'd never seen him before, only for a moment. So that, what's that look like to you and I? Jesus may not show up and turn, you know, um, bright in front of us, but what, what does that look like for you and I? Maybe, maybe it's something you've been praying for, something you've been seeking God for, that loved one. I mean, whatever it is, you've been, you're, you're, uh, you've got a situation in your life and you don't, you know, you get a trial or something that you're, uh, you're facing, you don't know what to do. It's, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a financial need, but something you, you've just literally finally come to a place where you turn it over to God and suddenly God does something. He works it out. He, he answers the prayer. He heals the body. Something happens that is unexplainable to the natural man. You, you've had this encounter with God, so in, in a sense, you're able to see God at work. This experience that makes the invisible visible, makes the unseen seen. It makes the untangible tangible, right? And, and it makes it a little easier for just a moment to walk by faith. We see God at work in our life. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the what? The evidence of things not seen. Now, evidence is something that you can look at and put your hands on. God, I believe that God, I believe that God wants to have an experience with you <laughs> individually. Now, whether you want an experience with God or not, I guess it ultimately is up to you. But I believe that God wants to have a personal experience, many personal experiences, with every person. I've had a lot of experiences with my children over the years, and I look forward to many more. And again, like I said a minute ago, if you've been saved, you've had, that, you've had an experience with God. But God says, look, I want to show you more of myself. I want to reveal more of myself. Now, see, Jesus did not have to invite these disciples along. Whatever Jesus was meeting with Moses and Elijah about, Jesus could have went and done that all by himself. Nobody would have ever known about it. But there was a reason. 
He took Peter, James, and John. There was a lot of others he didn't take. Maybe they weren't ready for that yet. Maybe he just wanted it to be a few people. I don't know, but he didn't take everybody, but there was a reason why he took those three men so that they could have this experience. It was because Jesus wanted to have that experience with them. He wanted to reveal himself to those men. Those men had a great responsibility and a great task ahead of them. These men were gonna be the ones to carry the gospel to the world and ultimately writing scripture that we might know the word. They needed that experience and Jesus wanted to reveal himself to them. I think that many times, it's just all, a lot of times depends on how hungry we are, how thirsty we are. The Bible says, Jesus said, if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we'll be filled. Amen? If I desire the experience with God, I believe that I can have it on his terms, not always on my terms, but on his terms. I was thinking this week as I was kind of praying about this message and studying it, I was thinking about Enoch. Now, maybe you may not have ever even heard of Enoch. We don't, we don't talk a lot about Enoch. Um, you, you look at someone like Moses that's got chapter after chapter books in the Bible about Moses, and same with Elijah and Peter and all them. We know very little about Enoch. In, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, it's just, this is all it says. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. He was 365 years old. That's back in the day when people just lived longer. And this is what it says about Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He was not. What does that mean? He wasn't what? No, it means he was not, meaning he didn't die. And Hebrews explains this a little better, a little further in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. Again, these are the only two places that we really read about Enoch. In verse, uh, chapter 11, 5 and 6, says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. That was the testimony he left behind. He was just an honorable guy that pleased God in everything that he did. And without faith, it, is, it goes on to explain, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The King James says, who diligently seek him, which I think is, is more important. So, so we, I mean, figure that out. I mean, here's Enoch. Now, there's been a lot of people over the years throughout the course of human history that have walked with God. Been a lot of people who pleased God that they still face death, but for whatever reason, we don't know. There's, um, there's reasons. God's got reasons. We don't know what that reason is. The main reason is be, the main reason is why we don't know the reason is because God don't want us to know the reason. Did you get that? Right. One day, Enoch's alive. He's walking along. He's singing and praising to God for whatever reason. Now he has an experience like he's never had an experience before. God just takes him to heaven. I don't understand all of that. Not here to try to explain it all. The bottom line was this. He had the testimony that he pleased God. He walked with God and he pleased him. And the writer of Hebrews, using Enoch as an example, goes on to say, everyone who diligently seeks God will find him. They that come to God must believe that he is, believe that he exists, and believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him, those who are looking for the experience with God. Now, we, we should, I hope that every one of us today, I hope this sparks something in you, a desire, a longing to at least start praying, God, I want to experience you greater. Lord, I want to hear your voice a little more clear in my life. Lord, I want to see 
the, the people that you put in my path or the circumstances that you've put in front of me that you want me, I, I just want a greater experience with you. So if you even just start praying that way, then I'll consider this sermon a success. Or you start praying, God, I want to have this, a greater experience with you. Now, I'm not saying that when you start praying to have an experience with God, he's just gonna take you to heaven and you're not gonna die, okay? I'm not saying that. It's never happened since. Well, it did happen one other time with Elijah. There may be an end time reason for that. We won't go into all that. Bottom line is, Elijah just was, was, took away. That, I'm not saying that that's gonna happen. But look at what Ephesians 2, verses four through seven says. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And look here, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches, in other words, that we might have more of those experiences where God shows himself even more to us of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. No, you may not have an experience with God like Enoch did where you're just raptured and go right straight to heaven without dying, but what the apostle Paul is saying here, you can have an experience where you, in, in the spirit, you become seated with Christ in heavenly places, raptured to a certain degree in the spirit where you you just encounter God in a way that you've never been able to count him before. Most of the, now we're looking most of the time when we start thinking about an experience of God, we're looking for something physical to take place. And folks, an experience with God may be nothing more than just a peace of mind in the midst of the hardest trial. Yeah, we want the big booms, we want the rapture and the ascending going to heaven and the, the bright lights and all that kind of stuff. Some of the greatest experiences I've ever had with God personally were times where I was literally, I was just on my knees caught up in prayer and could do nothing but weep. That's ultimately, that's, that's where the birth of this church came from. I'm not kidding you. I was off, I was off work, had a day, the day off from work one day. I was just stirred. In my spirit, I, God just gave me a burden for people greater than I'd ever had before. And I, I, I was just stirred. I don't know how to explain it other than I was just stirred in my spirit. And I just felt compelled to pray. I just, I spent the day, I just fasted, I prayed. I just, I, I seeked after God. I was looking for his direction. And it was in that moment, I'm just sitting there and all I could do was cry. And it wasn't just a tear. I mean, it was just like a, it was a cry from way down here. I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk and it was just from that experience that God, and it was a whole story, I won't go into all the details, but that's where God called me at that point to start this church. And through that experience, God began to show himself. God will validate himself, by the way. One thing led to another, and here we are today. But it all started from just an experience I had where where God just showed himself to me to a greater degree. That's, that, so so this is, none of this is on me. None of this is for my glory. It was obvious that God was wanting to do something, but he couldn't reveal that to me until I had got to that place where he could have that experience and speak with me. There's no, there's no two experiences alike, I don't think. You know, I can tell you about my experiences with God, and you shouldn't set out to go try to have that exact same experience with God. Everybody's experience, every, no two experiences are like, it seems like, because no two people are like. God, God literally tailors our experiences individually. 
God, God knows you and loves you so individually that he will tailor, he will, he will make and design an experience especially for you. Now, now, all that being within biblical parameters, obviously. I mean, you hear tr- people, crazy people talking about some experience they had with, with God, and it's not even biblical. You know, I was praying, and I had experience with God, and I started barking like a dog. And, uh, you know, and I've heard that kind of junk before. There's all kinds of things that people do out there, and it's, it's, it's emotionalism. I'm not talking about emotionalism here where you get yourself worked up into some sort of spiritual frenzy and, and do all kinds of, that's not what at all what I'm talking about. Everything that God does will be found within biblical parameters. So when I say it's an individual tailored thing, I'm not saying to you, you know, God's going to, you know, rapture you, he's going to sit you up in a tree, or, or you're going to bark like a dog, or you're going to roll on the floor, or you're going to do that. Everything within biblical parameters, God does things the same way, but he does them differently. No, 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 I didn't say that right. God does the same things in many cases, but he does them differently. You can't do something the same way and do it differently. So I got my tongue twisted there. But he, God does the same things for, every, for people, but he doesn't always do it the same. Let me give you an example. Throughout the scripture, we read all kinds of times, several times where Jesus healed blind people, several different blind people that Jesus encountered. And they had an experience with him in which Pre-Jesus, before they meet him, they're blind, they can't see, many of them had never seen in their life. After having this experience with Jesus, this encounter, he heals them and now they can see. So all of them were blind, all of them were healed, and now all of them can see. So it was the same in that situation. In a sense, they all had the same experience, but their experience didn't go down the same way. So one of those blind people, Jesus just said to him, hey, be healed. I think it's blind Bartimaeus, you know, was crying out to Jesus, Lord, I want to have my sight. And Jesus said, okay, be healed. Jesus just spoke to him and the blindness went away. There was another blind guy in scripture where Jesus just walked up and spit right in his eye. And he was healed of the blindness. One, one man, he, he scooped up some, some dirt, some clay, he spit in it, he rubbed, he got a little white mud in the guy's eyes. And this guy's probably thinking, why couldn't I be the one you just spoke and I was healed? I don't know why Jesus did it differently. But in this case, he wipes mud in the guy's eyes, made out of spit, and, and tells him, now go into the pool of Shalom and, and wash that out. And he did that, and he, he could see. So Jesus is the same, and the experience, you know, as far as what God was doing, because he loves us all the same, and he'll do the same thing for us, but it doesn't always come in the same package. The how-to of the experience is all up to God. All depending on you and, and what God wants to show you in your life and, and, and maybe what God wants to show the world around you. Whatever way, God is going to get the most glory in that moment. That's the way God's going to do it. Don't chase everybody else's experiences. Just chase God. Amen? That's ultimately what this is about this morning. It's not about chasing the goosebumps. A lot of times we can get so caught up in the experience and we, because a lot of times, let's be honest, when you have an experience with God, it gives you goosebumps. It does me all the time. On that note, let me say this. This is kind of cool. Despite all of maybe the the, uh, mistakes that I made last week in preaching and some of the things that maybe I disclosed, uh, amidst that, there was something really cool that took place Sunday morning. You know, last Sunday morning I was preaching about I was preaching about childlike faith and how that God wants us to be, in fact, he says you can't go to heaven unless you become like a child. 
You're forgiving, you're trusting, all those points that I made. And, and you know, how, how that, you know, God asks us, we ask our kids to believe things and they believe it. God asks us to believe things and they believe it. And so all of the, these, these things, talking about the childlike faith where we just come to him simply like a child. And so at the end of the service, when, when Levi came and got saved, and, and I was up and we were talking about that. And if you'll remember, I, I was just excited that he got saved. And I, I just had goosebumps all over. The reason why Levi got saved was because he was having an experience with God. Right? In that moment, God touched his heart. He knew he needed salvation. He responded to that and he had an experience. And because of that, I'm excited. I'm watching. I, we all had an experience with God, getting to watch it. And so I made the comment. I was, I was like, man, this is exciting. It gives me goosebumps. And Glendella told me, uh, later on that afternoon, Ryan and Ashley's little girl, Araya, she's five, was sitting there next to Glendella. And the second I said, oh, that gives me goosebumps, she looked up at Glendella with tears in her eyes and she said, Nanny, that gave me goosebumps too. She's five years old. All over my body, she said. Even after learning that certain fictional characters aren't real, she's still had an experience with God. I, I, was, I was glad to hear this, that I didn't, you know, try, you know, just scar all of your children for life. But even as little as, so how ironic, how awesome is this that, I mean, the day I'm, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I was talking about. The childlike faith that God wants us to have and, and God to a child reveals himself to her in a way that for a moment she could understand what was going on. Does she as a five-year-old understand the, the transfiguration? No, I'm almost 45, 45, and I don't understand the tra transfiguration. She didn't understand everything there was to know about God, but she had an experience with him she had never had before. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's not just about chasing the goosebumps. It's about chasing God. His heart, his mind, and as we chase God and we find God, because according to the scripture, if we diligently seek him, we'll find him, then all of the experiences take place. All the experiences take place automatically. All the goosebumps come fit just in the right moment. Amen? Um, what was it? Uh, a couple weeks ago, I think. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about Allison. Now, she didn't get bare, so don't, I, I know I can talk about her. But we, we know what she's gone through in the past month. She gets saved. Not even a week or two later, she, she gets an illness that literally just takes her ability to walk and talk in just a moment's time. And so this road of recovery begins, and she's all ready, you know, to be baptized. We got it all set, and we kind of had to push it back because she was just having a difficulty, you know, walking, and, and we pushed it back a couple weeks, if I remember right. I can't remember how it went down, but we just, so finally, one day, we had it planned for that night, and Cece come in that morning. We was talking about, okay, is she going to be okay to do it? And he said, you know what? She, she's not feeling very good this morning, and, uh, you know, she had a little bit of a back set, but he said, you know what? Let's do it. I just can't help but think that this is why we're having so much. It's just every, the enemy trying so hard to keep that from happening. Let's do it. If we have to just carry her down in there, let's do it. So we took her down in there in the water. She beat us into the water. You know, we're trying to be nice and easy with her, and she runs us over. And, we, and so beautiful, what a beautiful, one of the most beautiful baptisms I've ever been a part of. And, and we, we baptize her. And I kid you not, from that moment, she starts getting better. I mean, the very next Sunday, she comes in here, and she... 
she, she, she watched this. She just stands up. No walker, just stands up. Shakes my hand. She's talking to me. I can tell she's speaking more clearly. I looked over at the track Friday night, and she's walking around the track. No walker. Today, I went back, shook her hand, looking around up against the wall. No walker. Talking clearly. And this is what she said to me. God is working in me. <laughs> yeah. That'll give you a goosebump. It should. Man. Ooh. She's having an experience. She's, God is at work. Why did all that happen right after she got saved? I don't know. It, but God is showing himself mighty in their life. That's what Jesus said about one of those blind people. He said the whole reason he's blind is so that God will get glory through it. God's wanting to give you an experience with him, but he's wanting to let your experience turn into an experience with somebody else. Amen? Or for somebody else. Man, I could go on. I'm out of time. I, I could... Time and time and time again throughout Scripture. I mean, we, we could sit here and talk about Moses and Moses, the experiences he had with God, saw things that no person would ever say, and he always wanted more. You know, Moses had seen great things, but he's like, he goes up on the mountain, he said, God, show me your glory. He was always wanting to have, see, the experience, when you have an experience with God, it's addictive. You want to have another one, right? You, like, it's like you don't eat one piece of chocolate meringue pie. You always want another one. You have an experience with God, and it's so sweet to the soul that you want to have another one. Moses was like that. I just want to see you, God, in a way that I've never seen you before. I want to see you. The only person in human history that actually was able to see at least even just a portion of God with the natural eye. As God took him up on this rock, he said, I'm going to show you myself. And he got to see the hinder parts of God. But what I want you to understand, as I close this morning, what I want you to understand is Moses... He's having this experience, this great jaw-dropping, goosebump-rendering experience where he's seeing God. But that's not where his walk with God started. I mean, he'd had, you gotta, you gotta take it back to his real first experience with God. When he's back on the backside of a, of a dry, hot, miserable desert. He's back there his whole life is going a different direction than the way he thought it would go. Moses grew up as a prince in Egypt. He grew up in the house of Pharaoh, having all the food he ever needed, the finest of clothing. I mean, Moses had life made as a kid and through all of it. But he, he, as he gets to a point in his life, he recognizes God reveals to him that he has a greater calling, and that is to deliver his people, the Hebrews, out of Egypt. And he didn't know what that was going to look like. He didn't know what that was going to be like, how it was going to happen. But in a whole strange turn of events, Moses, who kills an Egyptian protecting a Hebrew, he basically runs for his life. He leaves Egypt, and now he's out there with nothing. He goes from having everything, life is cushy, to now being in the middle of a hot, dry, miserable desert alone. He meets a woman. And he starts working for her dad, Jethro, and he's just a shepherd. He's a shepherd in the back of a desert watching sheep every day, day in and day out. Probably thinking this is not the way my life was supposed to go. Ever had that feeling? This isn't how I saw my life going down. Why is everything going wrong? Why did that door get shut? Why am I, why is this, why am I always stumbling over myself? And, that, and he's having this conversation with himself. And in the middle of the back of the desert... He looks over one day, and there's a bush. He probably had seen this bush a dozen times before. He's, he's very familiar with these de this desert area. He's he out there every day taking care of sheep. This same bush, there was just an ordinary bush every day. All of a sudden, now this bush is different. 
He looks over and his bush is on fire. And he's thinking, oh man, would lightning strike? Or did I throw my cigarette too close to it? Or what? I mean, just all of a sudden it's on fire. And I don't know if he went and tried to put it out, but, but, but he realized he gets to looking at it. Now, you know, if, if you set a bush on fire, you're gonna, it's gonna start to crackle, right? And the limbs start shriveling up. It's on fire, so it's being consumed. It's, it's actually burning up. And he, but he gets to looking at this bush. It's on fire, but it's not burning up. The leaves and the limbs are not shriveling. The needles aren't falling off. It's just, it's, it looks exactly the same, but it's on fire. So he realizes to himself, something's going on here. Either I've been out in this heat too long or God's about to, to do something. And the Bible says that God spoke to Moses out of that burning bush. He had an experience with God like he had never had before, an experience that literally pivoted the entire direction of his life, that one experience. But he had to go out into the desert to get it. Sometimes life takes us into some hard trials, takes us into some deep pits, takes us into some very dry times, and it's hard. But it's in the desert that we have those experiences with God that mean the most to us. So when you're going through the trial, when you're going through the hard time, look for God. Not, not just to get you out of the mess. Okay, that's what typically happens. We go through a trial, we're in a problem, we start looking for God to do what? Get, make things better. That's the only reason we're looking for him, is to get us out of the mess. But what if, what if instead of doing that, we just started looking for, for God? What, what if we just started looking for the heart of God and we said to God, whatever it is you're wanting me to learn in this desert, help me to learn it. Let my ears be open, my eyes open to see what you're wanting to speak with me. I need that experience, not just to get me out of my pickle, but to set the direction for the rest of my life. Yes. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of the desert. That's where, those, that's where those encounters, those experiences happen. Philip meets a eunuch out in the middle of the desert and leads him to Christ. Israel, in the middle of the desert, every day saw manna fall from heaven and, and water rushing out of rocks. God was involved in showing himself every day, even in the midst of the desert. Amen? So, let me, let me end with this, which I think I said I was going to end with the last one, but I really am ending with this one. Look, I'm closing my book. In, in the third chapter of John, we read about a man that had a, an encounter and an experience with Jesus. His name was Nicodemus. And he was a religious ruler, a Pharisee that worked in the temple, member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, if you will. But he's heard enough about Jesus, and he's heard Jesus enough, and seen the works of Jesus enough to know that there's something to him. So he's not willing to come out in the open just yet, but secretly at night, he seeks Jesus out to have a conversation with him and just find out a little bit more about him. And Nicodemus makes the confession to Jesus, he says to him this, Jesus, we know that you are a teacher come from God because nobody could do the things that you do unless God was with them. I mean, no, no, no man can heal people and raise them from the dead and, and heal lame people. Nobody can do that unless God's with them. So, so I know you're a teacher come from God. So what we have is a guy who knew about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus right? He had a curiosity about him. He was getting more open, but he didn't have. And so he says, Jesus, we know that you've come from God. Maybe he thought Jesus would say, well, that's good. I am, I am God. And, but that's not what Jesus, how, it's not how Jesus responded. 
The way Jesus responded to him was this. Unless one is born again, he shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless somebody is born again, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Ultimately, what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, that's great that you know a little bit about me. And it's great that you're even inquisitive and you recognize that I'm no ordinary man. But it's more than, it's not enough to know about me. You have to know me. You have to be born again. You have to come to a place where you surrender your life and you believe in who I am, not just what I can do for you. I, I, what was the percentage? What do you think the percentage would be of you know, people that serve God because of what he can do for them as opposed to serving him because of who he is? Amen? You gotta be born again, Nicodemus, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, everybody would agree, I think, that when you're born the first time, that's an experience, right? You're born into the world. That's something you've never encountered before. You're born, you're born. it's an experience. It begins a new life, right? You start a life of learning and growing, and that's what it is to be born again. To come to the place where I want the old dentist to die, the old man, the old ways, I want, I want all that to die, and I want to be a new creature. I want to be like a baby, starting all over again. You're born again. It's an experience. Hallelujah. That's why Levi came up last week. It's like many of you have came up recently. It's why I got saved. I had an experience with God. So here's the thing. Here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Listen to me carefully. If you're sitting here today and you've never been saved, but you feel in your heart the need to, you're thinking, maybe you're thinking about death. What's going to happen to me? You're a little worried about dying. What's going to happen to me when I die? Or you just, the thought that, okay, well, this whole world is so messed up. I don't know what's going to happen in the world. Or where did I come from? Where am I going? You just have, you just have this feeling in your mind. You feel bad for the sins that you've committed. We call that conviction. What it is, is, is God is making you aware of your sin. And that your sin ultimately separates you from God. And will eventually, and, and, and if you die in that condition, will separate you from God for all eternity. So he just, he's making you aware of your sinful condition and making you realize that you can get out of that sinful condition. That your life can change, you can be born again, that God will forgive you for your sins, write your name in heaven, and there's no more worrying about death, right? It's, it's, and so you, you don't understand it all in your head, you're trying to reason it, but in your heart, you're, you're feeling like you need to be saved. You are right now having an experience with God. Hallelujah. If you feel even the slightest twinge, you've been thinking about it, I need to, yes, and, and you feel the slightest bit uncomfortable right now, it's a great thing. It's a good thing. You are having an experience with God. He's talking to you. He's touching your heart. He's showing you that his arms are open and he's wanting to bring you in, save you from your sins, and make you his child. Hallelujah. Don't leave that experience on the table, all right? You're having the experience now. Take him up on it. Bow with me this morning. Father, we love you today.